John chapter 12, verse 23. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn, a kernel of wheat, fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. From John chapter 12 in this text, I'd like to speak to you today on the subject, the way of the cross. The way of the cross. God bless you. Please be seated. Last Sunday when our messenger was released, if you're on our distribution list, you received an article entitled, The Power and Wisdom of the Cross. On Wednesdays in February, I spent three weeks talking on the subject of discipleship and more to come in March. You cannot follow or talk about being a follower of Jesus Christ without addressing the way of the cross. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ begins by taking up your cross to follow him. And he said unto them in Luke 9, 23, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. These words spoken by Jesus were prior to his crucifixion. He had not paid for our sins on the cross. But those who heard him immediately got the picture of what he was talking about. The cross was an instrument of death used for capital punishment for crimes. Being hanged on a tree, according to Galatians chapter 3, was a form of a curse. Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Paul was quoting from Deuteronomy 21 when he said that. Crosses in various forms were used in the Old Testament and intertestamental times, but in the days of Jesus Christ, the Romans had perfected the use of a cross for capital punishment. They had it down to a science. And it was a, a way to not only kill criminals, but also as a deterrent, a very public show that this is what will happen to you if you commit a crime worthy of death. It was not uncommon in those days to see a man hanging on a cross. A person crucified in Jesus' day was first of all scourged or beaten. In the account of Jesus, it was with the whip with leather bands and pieces of metal or bone tied to them that would that rip the flesh off the back of the person to be crucified. They would be flogged until blood flowed to weaken that person so that crucifixion would not last so very long. After being beaten, that victim of death, of capital punishment, was forced to bear the cross beam, the patibulum, to the execution site. This was done to signify that their life was already over and to break the will of that person to be put to death. Often a tablet detailing the crimes was placed around the neck of the criminal and fastened to the cross so that everyone would know why they were being put to death. So when Jesus spoke of carrying one's cross, he could have meant it literally or figuratively. 
He established this primary interpretation of a cross. It meant complete surrender to the will of God. Jesus used the expression of taking up your cross at least five times as a symbol of true discipleship and self-denial. Take up your cross and follow me. He said in Luke 14, 26 and 27, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother, by comparison of your love for me, this hate not is intentional in the original as in many translations. It is, it is there on purpose to love less. If any man hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Building on the Roman practice of bearing that cross being to the place of execution, Jesus intended this both figuratively and literally that to bear one's cross is to take up this cross beam to go to a place of self-surrender to the will of God. Or perhaps go to the place of martyrdom where it would cost you your life. I have taught here in the past and I believe it is probably the most clear definition of what bearing one's cross means. It is the test of complete obedience to the will of God. It may be different for you than for me. It may be like Simon Peter who looked at Jesus and looked at John after Jesus had predicted how Simon Peter would die. And Peter said, Lord, what about that man? What will happen to John? And Jesus said, what is it to you if he should live until I come again? You follow me. So it is not wise to compare ourselves among ourselves or to wonder why you have a certain path in life that God would lead you down. The cross is personal. It is my cross. It is your cross. And, and we are to take up our cross and follow Him. Obviously, Jesus literally carried His cross to Golgotha, the place of the skull, to Calvary, and He there shed His blood on the cross and paid the debt for our sins. His death was an atonement. It satisfied the righteous demands of God's judgment on the sins of the world. On April 4th this year, we will celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The early church preached the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it logically makes sense that there could be no resurrection without a crucifixion. The preaching of the cross was a major theme in the early church, 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1.23 and 24, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Of God. As we march toward Easter Sunday, I hope to preach on the cross, the, the way of the cross, the attraction of the cross, the healing of the cross, and the power and wisdom of the cross. Let's examine what this way 
of the cross really means. If you've ever visited the Holy Land, if you ever have the privilege of going there, tourists that visit there will be taken on any number of tours. You may go to Bethlehem, the birthplace of Jesus Christ. You might go to the Sea of Galilee, Capernaum, where many miracles were performed. Perhaps you may be taken on a tour to the Mount of Olives, to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus Christ yielded himself to the ultimate will of God, my favorite personal sight. You may go to the upper room where Pentecost was birthed, at least it's what they call an upper room, maybe not the upper room, but an upper room. And then you may be taken to a place where they attempt to retrace the steps of Jesus Christ from Pilate's judgment hall, the fortress of Antonio to Calvary. They will walk down a path, the Via Della Rosa, the way of suffering or the way of the cross. And they will take you down this path and say, it was along this path that we believe Jesus walked. It is some 600 meters, 200 feet, or I calculated just randomly 666 yards. That was a scary discovery. I've taken that tour and walked those steps. To remind you of the way of the cross, there's one place that they have excavated down to they believe that this is probably the level. This, you're probably standing in a spot where Jesus Christ actually walked on his way to Calvary where he would lay down his life. It is the way of the cross. But I think you know that it is more than a path that Jesus Christ walked. It is, it is a process that God ordained, that he explained in his word. It is the path that Jesus took from Passover Friday to Resurrection Sunday. It is a place that all of us must walk if we go the way of the cross. For Jesus, it was from suffering to glory. It was from humiliation to honor. It was from excruciating death to everlasting life. The way of the cross is a process God designed for us to take us from sin to salvation, from death to life, and from selfishness to self-denial and an abundant life. It is the way of the cross. John 12 opens with telling us that it was six days before the Passover that Jesus came to the city of Bethany, six days before Jesus would spend his last Passover in the days of his flesh. It was at this time while he was there that Mary of Bethany anointed his feet and the disciples said, why this waste? They were indignant. But Jesus said, in that she has anointed my feet, she has anointed me for my burial. Leave her alone. John 12 describes the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem where they said, Behold thy king, Hosanna. They laid down palm branches and coats and he rode on an unbroken colt into the city of Jerusalem. At this moment of time, they recognized Jesus as the Messiah, heralded him as the king of the Jews. But the tide of public sentiment would quickly turn. And those that hailed him early in the week would call for him to be crucified on Good Friday. 
John 12, 23. And Jesus answered saying, The hour is come, the period of time, that the Son of Man should be glorified. Glorified. Verse 23, Jesus calls it His hour, when the Son of Man should be glorified. John wrote about this at least five times in the Gospel of John, chapter 7, 8, 12, 13, and 17. How would God glorify the Son of God? How would Jesus be glorified? It could be easily done, and it could be readily done. And why not? He had lived a perfect life. He did not yield to temptation. He passed every test. His character was impeccable. He ministered flawlessly, healing the sick, casting out devils, raising the dead. Satan had deposited nothing in Jesus. Jesus said that my hour is coming. Satan has nothing in me. Glorify me. You would think that in this moment, like the Mount of Transfiguration, that the glory of God would shine down on the man, Christ Jesus, that a shaft of light would illuminate him, and all the world would know that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But that is not the way of the cross. Jesus explained the way of the cross by giving us an example from agriculture, from nature, in John 12, 24, our text. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a kernel of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. And Jesus introduces us to one of the many paradoxes of the kingdom of God. And this is, this is the crux of the entire issue of being a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ. That the way of fruitfulness involves the way of death. That unless this seed falls into the ground and gives itself up, unless it goes through the process of, of germination, of death, Jesus calls it, it will bear no fruit. It has to fall into the ground and die. A seed, a piece of grain, can remain in the granary for thousands of years. And it will be preserved, but it will be useless there. It never reproduces, nor can ever be used for food. In fact, grains were found in the wrappings of Egyptian mummies that were 4,000 years old. But they had never produced a harvest. The grain of wheat must fall into the ground and die. Or it will always abide alone. The death of the seed, that point when it gives itself up from self-preservation to sacrifice. And then through the process that God ordained, there is a harvest. There is new life. Jesus, when he spoke of this grain of wheat falling into the ground and dying, was speaking of his own death. I will save the rest of the text for another day. His disciples did not want him to die, to be glorified. When Jesus spoke of dying, the apostle Peter rebuked him and said, Lord, this will not be so to you. Jesus said, get 
Get thee behind me, Satan. For you do not savor the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. You do not understand the way of the cross. When Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. I do not want to taste death for every man. Cannot bear the thought of becoming sin and dying. But nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. It is there that Jesus' will was put into the ground to die. Because the cross was the carrying out what he had determined in Gethsemane that he would do. That he would go the way of the cross. And Jesus did not shrink from this hour. He said in John 12, 27, My soul is troubled. But what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause, for this purpose, came I to this hour. And Jesus was clear that He cannot bring a harvest of souls of new life until He first died. And this is the way of the cross. Jesus applied the example of the, the seed of wheat in John 12, 25 in our text. He that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. The path of self-preservation is the path to eternal death. But the path of the cross, the way of the cross, leads through death but it doesn't end in death. It leads to eternal life. And Jesus said, and Mark recorded it in Mark 8.35, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. This is the paradox of the way of the cross. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. This is the way of the cross, that life springs from death, that salvation is born of repentance, that purpose in life for a believer is only discovered from self-denial. This miracle of life out of death is what Paul spoke about in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I know this may not make any sense to an unregenerated person, but Paul said, here is the paradox. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It is because of the way of the cross, because of the death of Jesus Christ, that we have found new life in Him. The way of the cross is that death itself brings eternal life. Paul explained that he had died to an old life, but he was fully alive. That the life that he now lived was by the faith of the Son of God, who loved him and gave himself for me. He was fully dead to an old life. He had gone the way of the cross. 
but he was more alive than he had ever been. He had abundant life. He had eternal life. Nevertheless, I live. And it is because of him who loved me and gave himself for me who walked the way of the cross. The crucified life brings abundant life. Conversion means that we no longer live in the deadness of our sins. That our self-centered desires are nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ. That worldly interests are dead. We have mortified the deeds of the flesh. We are buried with Him by baptism. And if you've never been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, then today we will baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're watching online, email us at connectedawpc.org and we'll arrange to baptize you as soon as possible. You're buried with Him by baptism. You're raised to walk in the, in the newness of life. For Jesus, it was death, burial, resurrection. For us, it is repentance, baptism, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is the way of the cross. Paul wrote about this miracle in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He said, the, the love of Christ constrains us that He died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto Him which died for them and rose again. The crucified life, the way of the cross, is that we are dead to sin and we are dead to self, that Jesus Christ would live in us and through us in a, a better life. Not an inferior life, but a superior life. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died and rose again. This is the miracle. For if any man be in Christ Jesus, Paul said, he is the new creation. All things are passed away and all things are become new. We relive the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. By putting off our old life in repentance. Burying it in baptism. Coming to a new life by the power of the Holy Ghost. This past act experienced at conversion. Changed you from a sinner to a saint. It changed you forever. But it is not just back then. It is also for now. The continual process. Brother Jury taught about this past Wednesday night. Of putting off the old nature. And putting on the new. And being renewed in the spirit of your mind. Both the conversion and the spiritual growth. You've got to go the way of the cross over and over to make sure you become like Jesus Christ. This is the Christian paradox. That death is the path to life. It is the way of the cross. Have you ever wondered why so many people are lost in sin? When they've heard the gospel, are they not willing? Are they afraid to die in repentance? Unrepentant people are, are like that seed. If the seed had a choice to preserve its own life, which is really just a protracted form of death. Unrepentant people are afraid of what it will cost. And Satan tries to blind them about what is on the other side of death to sin 
and self. He's blinded the minds of them that believe not, the Bible said. And so people who will not repent and turn to God will die lost, dead in their sins, only to experience eternal death. That is why you hear stories. I've seen this happen in my own lifetime. Of people who are coming to church trying to make a decision with their life. I've watched them stand in a pew or in a seat and grip the seat in front of them until their knuckles turn white. It is a battle for their soul. It is a battle for eternity. They grip that seat. They freeze up inside. They feel the conviction of their sins. They feel the drawing of the Spirit. It is the goodness of God that is leading them to the Lord. The stories of my grandfather in 1935 going to a tent meeting. They had been praying for him. He could not sleep at night. He was miserable. He would go to that tent meeting. He would stand on the outskirts. He would hold on to a tent pole to make sure he didn't let go and go inside and die to an old life of sin. But one day he let go and he walked down a sawdust aisle and he died to the old James O. Josh and a new life was born in him. The weight of sins is heavy. The conviction of the Holy Ghost should bring you to your knees. And by the way, let me pause here to say that churches who do not want that kind of conviction... Churches that do not want the preaching of the cross are not really churches at all. If it is all about feeling good and going home unchanged and unrepentant and unconverted, that is not the way of the cross. There is only true joy on the other side of death. There is no resurrection without a crucifixion. There is no Holy Ghost without repentance. That is the way of the cross. Unrepented people are fighting against sin, warring against self-will, afraid or unwilling to let go and die to the old life. Think about the fear of natural death, of physical death, even for a saved person. The unknown beyond that last breath. I've watched far too many people take their last breath. I remember praying over a saint of God as his family gathered around and he battled cancer for five years. We were praying together, joined hands, and it just came out I didn't plan it. I said, I rebuke the fear of death. Jack Smith drew a breath and died and went from time into eternity saved. Fighting the unknown fear of dying. And the greatest revival in our world should be in nursing homes where many geriatric patients live in fear of imminent death. They are closer to the grave than they are the cradle. Why? Why would they live there and lie there and die there in sin? 
But when you spend your life resisting the way of the cross, when you spend your life telling Jesus no over and over, when you say yes to self and yes to sin and no to the Savior, it is hard to let go and die even when you're at the point of death. It doesn't make any sense at all, but perhaps after spending a lifetime resisting the call of God to salvation, their stubborn will, their hardened heart, will not allow them to die, to sin, and to go the way of the cross. Their guilt is strong. They may feel unworthy or stubbornly unwilling to turn from sin and repentance. They will not travel the way of the cross to experience the new life that is waiting for them on the other side of death to sin and self. They cannot see the crown of life that is waiting just beyond the cross. But don't be so hard on those sinners. I feel sorry for them. They are living in death and facing eternal death. If they could only, if they could only grasp the way of the cross. But but what about us? What about you? Why why are so many Christians, apostolic Pentecostals, spiritually barren? And their life and ministry. Are we not willing to die to our dreams? To let God's greater plan be born in our lives? The cost of the cross seems high, unreasonable. Give up all to follow Jesus? The rich young ruler could not. He walked away sad. The man who believes that Jesus is that pearl of great price is willing to sell all to buy it to get him. Paul was willing to suffer the loss of all things that he may gain Christ. For those of us who are saved, the way of the cross does not disappear from our lives. It's a process. Sometimes daily, that should always be part of our lives. Do you doubt that God's plans for your life are better than your dreams for your life? Is self-preservation keeping your ministry on the shelf? Or are you afraid of failure if you take the bold step of surrender? Just beyond the crucified life. There's an abundant life waiting for the sinner. And it is still waiting for the saint. I knew a man, an elder, who was so influential in my life in pastoral leadership. Before Christ, he was a cowboy out west, I think Idaho. I heard him tell it. He was on his horse one day out west. This is probably... 70 or 80 years ago, looking out over the beautiful scenery, 
herding cattle. As he sat there on his horse in the saddle, there was a voice that came to his mind that said, this is not your life. And he hung up his furs. He picked up a Bible. And he changed the lives of thousands of people. A life of ministry was birthed from a death to selfish dreams. But the question for every sinner is will you repent? And the question for every saint is will you once again die to yourself and go down the way of the cross so God's perfect will can be performed in your life? Jesus said it, I repeat it, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if, if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. The if is the question. If it I have learned more than once that God's plans are better than my best dreams. But I can only discover them and embrace them if I am willing to go the way of the cross.